Hello, ho, 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 and welcome to this special Christmas edition, or should I say, cultmas edition, of Cultpix Radio, WCPX 66.6, in your Christmas stocking. With me, your secret Santa, Django Nudo. And me, the smart peddler, maybe under your bed or in your chimney. <laughs> I was going to say, does that make you Rudolph if I'm secret Santa? But no. I think Grinch or under the bed sounds Probably, good. yeah, yeah. Either way, hashtag we, we are Culpix. Doesn't change, Christmas or not. Mm. So, Smart Peddler, I'm not going to ask if you've been naughty or nice, because I'm afraid what the answer to that might be. But what's on your Christmas wish list? It's to have more cult nerds from all over the world listening mm. in on our podcast and being members of the cult itself yes good one i was going to say more films but you're right we definitely need more members you know we've had a good growth this year but next year is when the cult becomes a religion yes definitely so what's on your wish list django nudo um well to all the discussions that we've had with various distributors, it would be fun if we could um, see those um, converted into lots and lots of exciting films, expand the kind of film catalog we have with existing partners like Something Weird, um, with Penny Video. Ciao, Simone. Ciao, Simone. And, um, of course, that we get much more out into the real world, which we're going to talk about in terms of uh, screenings and cinemas. So, is this maybe a good time to do that? Because today is when we host the last of the Cult Tuesday, although it's a Friday, Screening with Everyman, which is the Silent Night Bloody Night at Screen on the Green with Kim Newman, introducing it himself in person and um, I watched a bit of it um, on the big screen at the Everyman Broadgate, and it looked really, really good, and it sounded really good. I was worried what the quality was going to be like, but no, it really holds up on the big screen. That's great, so and it was a great excited about that. It was a great turnout as well, I think. Yes, yes, there was. Um, it sold a lot of tickets, yeah. so um, that was remarkable. But um, you know, on the good side and the bad side, let's face it. Um, we could have hoped for even bigger audiences and we probably could have done a better job of marketing these screenings. Um, so they didn't quite get the audience they deserved for every screening. But I'm very pleased about the selection of the films, the wonderful people we had introducing them. So a big thank you to Dave Norris, to Karen Krasanovich, uh, to Christina Lindbergh. And of course to Kim Newman for the last one. So, and above all, um, a big thank you to every man. I think they've yeah. been wonderful, wonderful partners. So yeah. supportive, and also the staff in the cinemas have been great. The staff have been brilliant. Um, you know, really love them. Great to get to know them. And so, no spoilers yet, but we're hoping to do something next year, which we shall talk about um, come January, I assume. Mm. And also in Sweden, where you've had. Quite a few, even more screenings. I yes, think. we've all already had four screenings at Bio Aspen in Asbuden outside Stockholm. And we can look forward to, I think, the screening that will top them all on the 20th of December, Monday, the 20th of December, where we will um, unravel 
the mystery of Sweden Poruno. <laughs> and we shouldn't go too much into it, but we have made an amazing discovery. I would say it's probably the film discovery of the decade. Yes, where we changes ha- film history of Sweden. Yeah, we have uh, heard about them, but we didn't realize they actually existed. But mm. Nikatsu in Japan, who are famous for the Roman Poruno films that started out with those films in 1971, and they literally made thousands of them, they did produce six films in Sweden from 1971 Mm. to 1973, um, cashing in on the trend of Swedish sin. And my belief is that they had a market that couldn't get enough of the Swedish films, so they had to come here and make them themselves. And so we have now a contract with Nikatsu, which means that we will release all six films, hopefully as a Blu-ray box, and then they will be up on cult picks as well of course um, mm. but all of the films have been restored from the original 35 millimeter negatives they have never been screened outside of japan and no. um, there might be a clause in the actors contracts that the films should never ever be screened in sweden <laughs> but uh, sorry guys now they are and gals yep yep uh, so That's... we have two films, and these two films have Swedish dialogue, oddly enough. The other films mm. are dubbed into uh, Japanese. And one is Bokken's Hus, The Goat's House, where we find some pretty interesting names, like Inger Sund, who was a sexploitation starlet in films like uh, Swedish and Underage and The Baksmella, Hangover. We have Jan Waldekrans from the Royal Dramatic Theatre in Stockholm. He was only 19 years old making this film taken directly from theater school. And we also have Per Axel Arosenius, who uh, many cult movie fans know as the father from uh, Thriller, uh, A Cruel Picture, or They Call Her One Eye. Yes. And then we have the other film, Droppar of Honung, or Drops of Honey, uh, with uh, Solveig Andersson, who was in Swedish and Underage, and Fear Has a Thousand Eyes, also in Thriller. And this is her by far best acting achievement ever, I feel. Uh, And it's a really odd film because it's kind of Ingmar Um, (laughs) Bergman-esque. They even have some of the uh, characters' names are taken from Bergman films. The pace is kind of slow. It's kind of philosophizing. And the music... Bergman write a script for a porn film? Oh, he did, yes. Some sort of rumors about it. Yeah. Which never came into fruition. No, but this is this is you know the porn film that Bergman never made. Exactly, yeah, and uh, the music is super arty and really really cool. And this whole deal and this whole uh, scheme has uh, happened thanks to uh, Johan Nordström, a Swedish uh, researcher, film historian living in uh, in Japan, who is a friend with Nikatsu. So, uh, mm. Domo Arigato, Johan. Thank you very domo much. Arigato. And we will definitely have him on next year when we discuss these films more in depth. But yeah. nice little trailer for what's coming in 2022. Yeah, and don't Sweden miss out Porten. on the screening. Uh, these will be in high definition, brand new restorations. It's going to look beautiful. Yes, I've seen previous, and the image quality is spectacular. Yeah. So, it's going to look good on Blu ray, but it's going to look great. Um, on the big screen. For sure. And of course, coming to Culpix. Yeah. So. Shall we play a little something from the music from uh, Drops of Honey before we go into the Cultmus? Let's theme? hear it. 
Honey for the Ears. was the sweet, sweet sound of Dropper of Honung or Drops of Honey, uh, coming to Culpix in 2022. But before that, we've got the Badvent calendar of Cultmus, in which we have 24 carefully selected films, one each day in the run-up to Christmas, that we will be giving a special promotion to and talking about and um, discussing across three podcasts, I think. So if we do eight films in each one and try not to make it too long, then um, we should have a nice little run of little cinematic oddities that we've collected this year and saved up for the year end. So, And there's a bit of a theme going through them, which I'm not going to go into yet, but we'll talk about it yet. Mm. But we'll talk about it. And do you want to kick us off with the first, what's behind the first Batman yes. calendar we door? We started out, obviously, on the 1st of December with a super rare film called AWOL. And you all know this means Absent Without Leave. And um, mm. it's a Swedish-American oddity from 1972. Um It has a long and strange and winding making of history, but... Long story short, it's about an American deserter coming to Sweden where he meets, well, with the, uh, obviously, the anti-Vietnam War movement and the anti-war movement. But he's also hunted by the CIA who wants him to come back to the state. So they try to coerce him in coming back. Mm. Um, it's a super strange film. There is no known 35 millimeter print of it. There's no known video master of it. We found a commercial release on VHS from the UK, and that's what we mastered from. And this is something we discuss from time to time in terms of Culpix. Do we yes. do we have the best material for the films? Yes, we try to have it, but sometimes if the film was a low budget film, if the producer was a you know no gooder who just cashed in and threw the stuff away, uh, well, we 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 screen what we can find. And often it is four by three VHS masters, and that's yeah. going to be a bit of a theme for this edition of the Cultmus uh, Cultpix Radio as well, because we've got a few films like that. But they're all of importance enough, I think, so that even you can get enjoyment out of them, even from the kind of low quality. Just don't don't put it up on your fifty five inch plasma mm. and think that you're going to get uh, Netflix kind of four K UHD quality. Yeah, this exactly. is best enjoyed on an old CRT television yeah. plugged into. But your I mean, laptop, and this film in particular, one. I mean, this is the only chance of, of watching it, and you can be uh, the thirty seventh, thirty eighth, and thirty ninth person to actually watch the film because it mm. only had thirty six tickets sold in Sweden when it had its premiere. That's right. It never even even made it to Stockholm, didn't it? Man? No, it was it was had... opened in a small town <laughs> and it was screened for three days there. And, and it had one film review. Yeah, and that was a uh, uh, the interesting thing with that review is, I mean, normally we have a five-star system, but this had a, a crossed-over star, so it's not even a one. It's below 
that. <laughs> and the uh, the uh, quite famous uh, reviewer, he uh, said this quote, It's not as stupid as it sounds. It's more stupid. Either Herbert Fried, Herb Fried, who calls himself a director, is the most innocent man under the star banner, or he is unusually unscrupulous reactionary. I put a dollar on the former, but unfortunately the film works in the second spirit. And then he concludes with, Film fascism is an abused slogan, but it's probably the right etiquette here. AWOL is a sick political film. See, I've never come across film fascism, although of course we have a few Lenny Riefenstahl films. Mm. I'm sure he doesn't refer to that, but this must have been a very lefty Swedish 70s kind of concept about Hollywood productions. Definitely. And the film is not that bad. It's kind of crazy. And also it sometimes... In mid-movie, it turns surreal and just becomes yeah. very, very, very odd. And obviously, it has some Swedish themes like uh, porn shoots and sexual liberation and mm. discussions about our welfare. And 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 Herb Fried, the director, he was a former rabbi who yes. changed into uh, making movies. And he made some exploitation movies later on mm. after AWOL. Um, but I, I also feel that it, it's so much uh, a time capsule of the early 70s. And I, I feel some affinities with with a, one of my favorite films called Mr. Freedom by William Klein from 1969, mm. which is a French movie, which is very odd. And it has some very strange, you know, parts in it. So, but it's uh, also... It's also a great topic, and it's something, actually, before I came across AWOL, I did wonder, actually, why hasn't there ever been a film made about this kind of culture clash that must have happened from American deserters during Vietnam who came to Sweden, more so than the ones who escaped to Canada, or equally, but and got caught up in this very, you know, free sexual politics, uh, lefty, odd country. So, surely there's still... You know, AWOL, interesting movie, but there must be other great films to be made about this whole topic. Yeah, and there was one, actually, uh, from the time, which is a semi-documentary called Deserter USA. Oh, so we should try to get our hands on that, too. It's, I think it's, it seems to be a very interesting film. But mm. uh, let's listen a little mm. bit to the dialogue between the guy from the CIA and the poor uh, deserter, Willie, when they try to get him on board for the U.S. again. Hi! What the hell is this? If Mohammed don't go to the mountain, the mountain goes to Mohammed. Longfellow said that, Cousin Alice. I got some friends I want you to meet. Hi, I'm Cousin Alice. <laughs> and what would you like? <laughs> sure. Hi, Wally. Okie dokie. I'm Dick White. <laughs> what school do you go to? Um, sit down. Hey, that's a great church. Get in the States. What was your major, by the way? If you'll excuse us, please, Mr. White. Sure thing. I gotta go anyhow. Thank you very much. Thank you. No, no, thank you. Great talking to you, Willie. Really enjoyed it. See you around. What the hell is this? We have a little surprise for you, Willie. (laughs) (laughs) We now come to the second Badvent Calendar film of uh, this year, which is... Cat Women of the Moon. What's not to like about a title like that? <laughs> it's There's so much to love about this film. And it's got so much musical influence, heritage, angles that we could probably have devoted a 
um, you know, real deep dive whole episode to this, but we're not going to do that. We're going to be covering um, six other films. Mm. So, and, but I do want to clip. I do want to play a few clips of music related to this film. So as by way of background, it's a 1953 black and white film. It's a 3D, three-dimensional science fiction film. Um, and um, interesting that it's an independent because obviously there were a lot of studio 3D films like Creatures and the Black Lagoon. And what people don't, many don't realize is that 3D wasn't the red and blue anaglyph when it came out in the 50s. It was proper polarization. So fair enough, it wasn't in color, but you actually saw it properly black and white. And it was shown in this uh, two-projector polarized 3D format at the Hollywood's Grauman Egyptian Theater um, at the first 3D Film Expo in 2003. And what else has been shown at Grauman's Egyptian Theater? Smart peddler. That's where Christina Lindbergh had her very first retrospective uh, outside of Sweden back in 2006. So that's the start of her newfound stardom with a, with a younger audience. Yeah, so only three years after this mm. uh, was shown there in 3D. Unfortunately, not in 3D on cult picks. It is only the standard black and white, but it's a very good quality copy um, worth watching. So the plot is um, astronauts travel to the moon. I love the fact that as you watch the film after takeoff, the first thing the mixed crew of male and female astronauts is the female astronaut reapplies makeup and just checks that her hair is in order because that's what does. you do when you're yeah. a female astronaut in the 1950s. Yep. Then they land on the moon and then they come across this wild tribe of cat women, which are you know Hollywood starlets in cat suits and leotards um, and all sorts of antics ensue. Um, no plot spoilers, but the cat women want to get back to Earth. So it's a two million year old lunar civilization that only spawns female cat women. Uh, and it is absurd, it's ridiculous, but it's also hugely influential. In fact, the Encyclopedia of Science Fiction calls the film absurd, but does say that it, quote, qualifies as one of the most influential science fiction films ever made because of the fact that this whole theme of astronauts discovering um, an all-female civilization, um, often decadent, primitive. Uh, so films like Fire Maidens from Outer Space, Queens of Outer Space, Nude on the Moon, which I hope we get in the future, mm -hmm. um, Voyage to the Planet of Prehistoric Women, which we do have on Cold yeah. Picks. So it is it did spawn a genre and it's maybe something that we're going to feature in future cult picks theme weeks definitely and, and they, they many of them also included the fact that the the male astronauts have to start breeding with the oh. alien women of course so it's kind of wish fulfillment but also fear of <laughs> exactly. um kind of thing and and also another film uh, the Polish uh, sex Missia. yes which of course we'll talk to them. but Let's talk about the music of it, because first of all, um, although an independent film, it is notable enough because the score for it was composed by Academy Award winner Elmer Bernstein, who is in the news right now for what reason? Uh, I'm sorry, I don't know. <laughs> West Side Story. Ah, of course. The new Steven yes, Spielberg version yes, coming out. Yes, of course. Sorry. So... Um, yeah, so he made the music for it, but what's even more interesting is the music that it influenced. So why don't we begin by listening to a bit of the score from the film by
So, um, although it was a fairly obscure film and not many people would have heard it, it did influence a lot of musicians for some strange reason. Um, it popped up also as the title of a, a BBC radio program about sex and science fiction films, which I'm going to have to dig up. So, search for Catwomen on the Moon, off the Moon, BBC. Um, but interestingly enough, the look of the Catwomen tribe inspired uh, rock singer. Pat Benatar to change her appearance uh, for one Halloween and apparently that supposedly helped her acquire a record deal so I dug up an interview with her about a book a biography of her where it says that her initial look the whole heavy eyeliner thing came from this 50s 3d film called Catwoman of the Moon and the interviewer asks her has she seen it recently and is it as good as Avatar which is the dumbest question ever. <laughs> I love it. But it must have been shown on TV for kids in the in the 60s, so it, it, many pick, picked it up there. Yeah, it, it must have been on a rerun, Sneo Cheap, especially if it's um, sort of public domain. Mm. But yeah, she says it's this absolutely cold, crazy, horrible movie. Uh, it's the most awful thing, but I love sci-fi, and I love really junky sci-fi. Cool. I have, and she's also going to say, I have to tell you, I saw Avatar seven times, so Pat Benatar watched Avatar seven times and really loved it. So, My God. Slightly unfair. Yeah. We're not going to play any Pat Benatar. <laughs> no. But it also <laughs> makes me, this, this uh, makeup and, and uh, the animalistic theme makes me also think of, of Joe Sarno's um, Swedish Wildcats. Oh yeah, where they have this kind of same outfits, but of course body painted instead of mm. costumes. <clears throat> the whole theme of cat women and is is great one. Yeah, and I'm sure another theme week running there. But the uh, biggest musical influence and the one we're going to finish with is of course Shakespeare's Sisters. Uh, who had a album uh, 30 years ago now, believe it or not, Hormonely Yours, which included the number one hit in the UK called Stay. And I never appreciate, although I wasn't a huge Shakespeare Sisters fan, although I liked Stay, is that a lot of the album is inspired by uh, Catwomen of the Moon, including a song called Catwomen. That's amazing. Which is kind of a clue wow. that. Wow. Um, so... Why don't we play just a little bit, including the chorus, because, you know, it, it'll give you give away the fact of where the song was inspired from. from Shakespeare's Sisters. I don't know if we need to play Stay. Most people probably remember it. We might finish with it, mm. but um, equally inspired by um, Catwomen of the Moon. That's amazing. It's pretty crazy. That, it's a rock you know, opera. It is a rock opera. Actually, there you go. Somebody needs to expand yep. this album into a full rock opera and Definitely. restage it with the Catwomen on stage. It's a good idea. You know, if, if they could do it for Rocky Horror, yeah. this one definitely deserves it. A film that probably doesn't deserve a stage adaptation, although it is a good little thriller, is our third Advent Calendar film this December called The Clones. Send in the clones. Send in the clones. Yes. Good one. Thank you, sir. 
Um, and as with many others, again, this is only a surviving VHS copy, or should I say VHS clone. Mm. Um, and it's uh, a thriller about a scientist who gets cloned by these nefarious uh, foreign forces and trying to, you know, burn down his laboratory, steal his wife, kill his wife, steal his life, and something to do with, you know, controlling the weather. Mm. But what's fun about this is the fact that when it was made in the early 70s, the whole concept of cloning clearly wasn't well established. So the filmmakers actually take credit for the fact that they kind of seeded the pop culture vocabulary with this term clone, but they had to do it in a really heavy-handed way by having major exposition of text at the beginning of the film explaining just what cloning is. So for those of you out there who have no idea, never heard of cloning, this is what you would have heard in the 1970s by way of introduction to the concept of cloning. A breakthrough has been made in biochemistry whose impact upon the future of mankind is so massive that it might be compared to the first nuclear explosion in Alamogordo, New Mexico in 1945. The discovery of DNA and RNA. Science has now isolated the chemical essence of life itself. The new branch of science is called genetic engineering. We now know how to determine the genetic code of any living cell, of any living tissue, of any living animal. We can now alter the reproductive process in animals. We can choose genes to predetermine sex, physical characteristics, intelligence, and much more. And science is now upon the threshold of the next and most awesome development. We can create a clone. So Smart Peddler, I don't know if you've had a chance to watch it yet, but it's a, it is an interesting little um, 70s thriller very much off its time that kind of paranoid era where you had things films like Capricorn One or Coma and it is showing its budget but it is interesting and clever and, and cleverly done so um, yeah and I think it's very interesting that I mean normally the nor- normal way it goes with in terms of exploitation films is that you cash in on a popular theme I'm thinking of the of the atom bomb in the 50s for instance True. or the Cold yeah, War, which spawned all the sci-fi movies about aliens coming to America, and and here they were actually the front runners of the theme of clones, and and it's kind of unusual uh, the other way around thing. Yeah, yeah, true. At a time when they were still doing things like Westworld, which was still evil robots, mm. but it, it was a new idea. So credit to them for it. So check it out. Yeah, if you have the time. And um, <clears throat> it's also got a very funky poster, which I like, because it's rare to see that kind of uh, drawn yeah, as opposed to great. Um, yeah, photo image. Um, anyway, that's The Clones. And we now move on to the fourth Badvent Calendar um, window, which opens up to a film called Spaced Out, originally known as Outer Touch or Outer Reach. Mm. And um, it also had a... The screenplay also had another title. Yes. <laughs> because it was uh, inspired by Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So it was supposed to be called S-E-C-K. Sexual, Sexual Encounters, Encounters of, of the, the Close, Close Kind. kind. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Although the, as an acronym, you know, SEC doesn't no. really inspire anybody to run to the um, cinema. 
Now, this 1979 British comedy, very British sex comedy, definitely has um, a major debt owed to uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Four um, sexually frustrated Brits, wouldn't you know it, um, in a park where the cargo ship crashes, uh, end up getting uh, taken hostages and taken with them on the space for scientific experiment. Isn't this what, you know, was it 5% of Americans believe that they were abducted by aliens at some point? And yeah, yeah, absolutely. Probes. And oddly enough, there's a mention of fire maidens from outer space when, when people write about this film, as well as for, for cat women. So it's, there's some, some, um, there's a little theme there too. Well, there's no Cartman-like anal probes in this one, but there is a lot of humor in it. And, um, What's interesting is, first of all, um, being very low budget is how they went about making the film. So the spaceship in the park was little more than uh, scaffolding covered with plastic sheets and flashing lights. Again, a, a knockoff from the Close Encounter of the Third Kind. And then, to save money, they borrowed uh, the spaceships flying through space from various television programs like Space 1999. Wow. And... Um, they ended also up using it from different um, other spaceships, so there's no continuity in terms of the spaceship that Jack actually The looks of the see. spaceship is, yeah, varies. Yeah. But the biggest change came when the film was to be released in the United States, because then it fell into the hands of a new small distribution outfit by a man who would win fame, Oscars, and later notoriety, namely Miramax and the boss Harvey Weinstein. Wow. So he was he liked it, but he didn't like it enough. He always thought that films could be improved by a bit of Harvey Weinstein uh, editing, which is why he was known as Harvey Scissorhands. I never heard that. That's a good. He one. didn't. Yes, no. He was famously Harvey wow. Scissorhands. So you know he would take this Italian, you know, uh, three-hour epic and trim it down to a more manageable, you know, ninety-five minutes U.S. release, wow. which ended up making money. So you know, tough luck artists. But what he did with this one is he felt the title was too depressing um, as Outer Touch. So he changed it to Spaced Out and he added music to it. He added an upbeat ending. He added more nudity. And he also changed one of the voiceovers, uh, which was this Verlitzer jukebox, which was actually a computer's artificial intelligence mm -hmm. um, from the original. So let's hear, first of all, a clip from the trailer with the original uh, voice of the computer. Computers log, stardate 6969. Space, space, space. I'm sick of schlepping through space. I thought it would be exciting to boldly go where no computer has gone before, to check out strange new galaxies and meet kinky new life forms. But no, I'm stuck here on this spaceship with three crazy chicks. All I do is snort coke, pop luke, and play with themselves. It's obnoxious. That was the British edition um, with a very camp voice, as you can tell. Uh, wouldn't do for the American release, so Harvey Weinstein hired Bob Saget to do the uh, voice of the jukebox, and he's got a much deeper, much better voice. Saget, of course, known to most people as Dad from Full House, mm. and apparently a really filthy, foul-mouthed stand-up comedian, totally at odds with his kind of, you know, Good patria guy, familias yeah. 
uh, sitcom dad kind of persona. But let's hear a, a bit of a conversation clip from the film where you get to hear Bob Saget's voice as the computer AI boy. Yeah. Oh, never mind, Jer. I need your help. What do you know about love? Love? No such thing. Oh, you're a waste of money. Sorry. You just keep that money coming and I'll explain everything you need to know about love. Tell me, are you an intelligent member of your species? Well, I've got two O-levels. What's wrong with this statement? All generalizations are false. From outer space, we go to the islands of Sweden for Hemsebuna. Yes, it's lid number five. We opened on the 5th of December and it's Hemsebuna or the people of Hemsö. And Ö, as you all know, means island in Swedish. So it's the people mm. living on this island called Hemsö. And it's not super weird, but it's a great little <laughs> classic from the 50s. And it's based on a novel by August Strindberg, who was one of our sweden's biggest authors ever Mm -hmm. and it's so popular they made four different film versions of it so the first one already in 1919 then oddly enough in 44 55 and 66 Mm. and the last one is probably the most popular one in sweden from the 60s it's a tv version But mm. it contains everything you want from a Swedish film. There's a little bit of nudity. There's a little bit of aquavit. Uh, there's some <laughs> rivalry. And uh, there's a lot of beautiful scenery in the archipelago. Archipelago. Uh, yeah, and we really have to do that archipelago theme week sometime. Because there are so many films that were shot and, and, and situated in that area. So, um, well, check it out. No English subtitles, unfortunately. But we hope we can Sorry. add them on. And then I think we can swiftly move on from the archipelago to the Swedish woods. Yes, staying in Sweden, but um, with a celebrity um, tutor, guide, teacher. Definitely. And this is a film very rarely seen by the fans. They have been looking for it everywhere. And it's like one of those uh, holy grails that you, you probably won't be able to catch any other way mm. also of course mastered from glorious vhs yes i think we should have called a vhs a very vhs christmas <laughs> definitely <actually>. yeah <laughs> so uh, uh, with no further ado it's christina Lindbergh, the swedish sexploitation and uh, centerfold starlet who uh, mm. was in so many great movies in a very very short time then she reschooled into uh, being a journalist and she ran this magazine called Flygrebyn Flight Review for yeah, aviation. aviation buffs. And she's also very famous in Sweden, just not just for her, her film and centerfold career, but also for her very, uh, I mean, she's very into preservation of, of, of the wildlife and she's a wildlife champion. Conservation, yeah. Yeah, especially in, in terms of the preservation of the wolf and the lynx mm. in Sweden. Um, but she's also an expert in mushroom picking. So I would say almost every year there's an article in a major newspaper with Christina in the forest <laughs> holding a mushroom. And here she, uh, she made a short film I think it's about 22 minutes, yes. uh, where she's out in the woods telling you what you can eat and what you can't eat. And it, the whole film, and I'm going to spoil this, it starts with a lovely disclaimer. All mushrooms are edible. 
but some only once. <laughs> I hadn't seen that. I do need to watch it because I need to learn about, you know, I, yeah. I know that the red one with white dots on it, you should not eat. Yeah. And, um, and I'm going to do it. You can, but I don't know the ones in between. Yeah, I'm going to do a really bad segue into next film because going from mushrooms, you know, the Vikings used to eat these uh, poisonous mushrooms to become berserkers. So it was like yes. a, a drug. And mm-hmm. then we move straight from the mushroom drugs into mm. another drug. Oh, yes. Bolivian marching powder. Mm. This is the seventh Badvent calendar film. Uh, once again, mastered from glorious VHS. Mm, this the fourth one. Retro Christmas. Yeah. Um, of remembering your youth of renting bad films from petrol stations, as you did in Sweden when I was growing up. Uh, this is Cocaine Wars, 1985 Argentine-American action film uh, by Hector Oliveira, uh, with John Schneider doing his best kind of Rambo impression on the poster. I think they've art artsied up his muscles significantly the posters from all over the world of this film are amazing yes that's one of the best thing about and we've put those posters on cult pics because we have arabic posters with completely different actors Mm. you know somebody didn't see the film we have the posters from ghana yeah which is like this is is this what white people look like you know to the ghana picture painters um they're just gloriously bad and i yeah I don't know what else to say about them. No, Check but them we're out. very happy about our, our image galleries, which we have now on, on most films that we added on as, yes. a, as, a, as a function on, on cult pics. As well as putting on, on Instagram, where I should say that, harking back to the previous film, uh, Christina, the picture of Christina in the woods, mm. um, ready to pick mushrooms. She's got a sort of red riding hood cape. Yeah. And black lace stockings peeking out. That one's had more likes, I think, than anything else we posted on the Instagram, including, um, I think, the previously most popular, which was uh, Kit and Natividad, mm. and another Christina poster. But yeah, I Christina in the front. Yeah. yeah, it is well popular. Anyway, coming back to the cocaine wars, uh, this is the 19, mid-1980s, Reagan's War on Drugs, and uh, it was one of 10 films that Roger Corman produced in Argentina during the 80s. I had no idea that Roger Corman made films in Argentina in no, the 80s. No, me neither. I, know. I knew Ireland because they had tax incentives, but I did not know about South America. And I knew Philippines, because yeah. obviously they did the grindhouse, but he was a real globetrotter when it came to making these kind of films yeah. in I think it was locations. a question of follow the money. Yeah, as, as you know, the uber producer that he is, mm. as well as director. Um, but it's an 80s film that really has everything you'd want from a bad 80s VHS film. So there's drugs, there's sex, violence, terrible acting, uh, really, really awful dubbing, um, car chases, you know, packs it all into 90 minutes um, with suitable number of stereotypes of sort of Latin American drug lords. It's not even worth going into the plot. Um, you know, drug enforcement agent against evil drug baron, um, pretty good woman, personal conflict, shooting, shooting, shooting. I need to watch it. Yes. And what we also need to do is we need to, well, I found, of course, there is a book about Roger Corman's time in Argentina called Hollywood in Don Torquato Hmm. um, by Andres. Um, And it's about these films that Roger Corman made there with Hector Oliveira. 
and um, it uh, hasn't been printed, so I think it's been self-published online, right. um, and it's available. I can put the link in, but I'd, I'd want to hear um, Adrian's take on this, because, of course, he must know something about these films and about maybe what Roger Corman was doing. Definitely, yes, Adrian Garcia Bogliano, our good friend. Yes, of course. So let's ask him, but uh, before we do that, why don't we play a little clip from a very, very 80s action film. Can you understand me? Yeah. Cocaine, we now go to weed, slightly further up. Yeah, very nat- natural transition. Total easy transition. Again, uh, it helps if you've taken some weed in terms to appreciate the picture quality of this. I don't know if it's VHS, but it's unfortunately not the best master. But, but it has a very neat tie-in to the beginning of Culpix Radio because it's Elmer Byrne. Steen. Steen Stein. Steen Because this film, known as Free Grass or Scream Free from 1969, was heavily marketed on the fact that it's got two and a half stars of the original West Side Story film adaptation. Mm. How is what's it possible a, to have two half, and a half? What's a half star? Thank you. I was waiting for that question. So. <laughs> Is it the upper, uh, upper part or the lower part of the actor? Um, it's the related part. Ah. So it had uh, Richard Boehmer in it and Russ Tamblin, also known as the druggy hippie doctor from Twin Peaks, mm. um, two of the former, formal West Side Story stars. And then they have Lana Wood, who is the sister of Natalie Wood, who obviously brown faced up for the original West Side yeah. Story. Obviously, Natalie had better agent or taste or things to do when they were shooting this film. So they had her sister Lana Wood instead. Yeah. And so effectively, you know, um, that was enough for them to just be able to go onto the poster and um, say that, you know, we bring you this film from um, the stars of West Side Story uh, together in a f- again. And they may have regretted this reunion because um, what it does effectively is try to cram the two and a half stars of West Side Story into an easy rider kind of biker druggie. Uh, hippie 60s psychedelic uh, plot of a film um, which doesn't quite get up to um, Easy Rider standards I think is the polite thing to say yeah I'd like to see that and also I think that the the thing with with like and also with uh, Bing Crosby's son Lindsay Crosby yes a lot of these things have happened historically and I'm thinking especially of Tisa Farrow, the sister of mm. Mia Farrow, who starred oh, wow. in a lot of Italian horror and zombie movies, which is quite, mm. you know, quite unique. 
um, these these kind of if you, if you can't get the, the star, let's get the brother or sister or child of the star. Yes. Again, this is a worthy um, topic for a future yeah. episode yeah. of Cold Pix Radio. But you know, in or relatives who disgrace their um, parents by appearing in these kind of exploitation films, not least of which we would love to get Anna Bergman. Mm. Yes, of course. Yeah, she did a lot of cool stuff, and and uh, she was like the black sheep of the family for a very long time until her father took her. To his, took her in his arms and and starred her in Fanny and Alexander. Yes, which you know, but she can still live off the exploitation glories yeah, and sure. definitely our kind of Bergman. Yeah. So this film, um, which uh, came out in 1969, then had a reissue in 1989, and they added more nude shots. I don't know if it was Harvey Weinstein who was responsible for this too. Um, they slowed down some of the scenes and added disco music, mm. which is weird because it was already kind of trippy, hippie, funkadelic music to begin with. But obviously, you know, I, d- I don't know if we can ever track down the 1989 issue. The original 69 issues, you know, difficult enough to find. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting to, to uh, <clears throat> compare these very different versions of films. And we do have some films which are kind of different versions mm. on cult books. Yeah. So why don't we take a listen to a little bit of um, dialogue and music from Freegrass slash Scream Free! Exclamation mark. I'm Snow White. That's a very beautiful name. Snow White. I'm Dean. Would you like a trip with me, Dean? anything more to say about that other than i now regret that we didn't start off by upselling this episode not by talking about you know mastered from glorious vhs but the fact that you know this is the episode that has it all vietnam deserters cat women on the moon um spaced out british sex alien kidnappers uh mushroom picking starlets and centerfolds you know druggy cocaine shoot-ups and psychedelic hippies i mean this and clones let's not yeah. forget the clones i think that every day in december will be a treat for any movie horror or cult movie fan and if it isn't then they've got the time between christmas and new year to catch up on all of these films yeah. when i think we'll be posting little oddities but we're going to keep up this track record of picking some really funky uh kind of films that are coming out um i don't want to spoil it by giving away what we're going to have in the future ones but, no but um, let that be a be a surprise so yeah. otherwise you know everyone will eat all of the chocolate at once and then there will be none left for christmas eve exactly yes and you know what was i, I saw tweet somebody you know who who did do that but pointed out that they ate them in the right order 
That's because good. they're not a complete psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> That's a kind of a OCD <clears throat> thing. But Definitely. also, I think we can maybe conclude this episode by, by as we are Swedes, um, to say ja. happy Lucia to everyone because uh, we are celebrating the saint, the woman who gouged her eyes out. Yes. And um, that's something that we like to celebrate in Sweden. And then stuck fire on her head mm. and went into creepy dungeons. That's so yeah. odd. I mean, <laughs> she would be considered criminally insane if she was ever sentenced to anything in Sweden. Yes, yes. Bit of a bit of a Joan of Arc kind of thing. Mm. But it's all about the presentation. It's the same as that famous, um, what was it, TV um, review for Wizard of Oz, which is like, you know... Country girl arrives in a new place and kills the first woman she meets. That's That's horrible. Dorothy. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's all about presentation. Say, Happy Lucia. Uh, is there a Lucia cult film or any film about it? I don't think so. We have, I mean, we have uh, um, a Lucia. Uh, as you see on the cover of one of our yes, films, isn't it's, there? Yes, it's from Love Play. So there is a, a scene with this Lucia celebration in one of the Language of Love films, for yeah. sure. Should we maybe end by having a little musical interlude from that one? Just do it. All right. You've been listening to the Cultmus Badvent Calendar special edition of Cult Picks Radio, WCPX 66.6 on your Christmas wish list. With me... Your host, as always, Django Nudo. And the Smut Peddler. <laughs> <laughs>